I do see a lot of CPAs going, I don't want to take these kind of clients right. anymore. I want to just get rid of them because it's just not, it's not cost effective anymore, Schlag. It's become exactly. It's too but there are so many, there are so many other things that person or that entity could use a CPA for besides just that tax return. So you don't want to lose the relationship, right? But you could take the part of the relationship that's a drag, that's time consuming, that is always painful and always miserable. And let the bot do that part. And if you can have that be that pocket CPA, still maintain the relationship for all the other finances that go on in a, in a human's life, because it's not always just taxes that we're dealing with. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the latest edition of Strategy and the Virtual Controller, where we talk all things accounting and bookkeeping to help practitioners build a more intentional practice. One of the things that we're trying to do is help business owners, practitioners in the business of accounting and bookkeeping avoid the pitfalls and the mistakes that we've made along the way. So I'm delighted today that we, first and foremost, if anyone's watching us on YouTube, you might actually see that we've got a strategy and virtual controller background for the first time. So I feel like sort of six episodes later, we're really stepping up our game <laughs> and uh, becoming much more professional. But folks, my name's Damien Greathead. Penny Breslin's my co-host. Penny, how are you? I'm fine, Damien, as usual. As usual. Wonderful. So we won't we won't go into the weather and how we are as usual because we have a guest, a guest for today's episode, and it's Jody Pater. And Jody, I remember meeting you sort of 2006, 2007. Cloud was sort of very much on the, very much on the leading edge or, or yeah, very early, early. Days. So, and, and I think also you had either just joined your father's firm, you were taking over your father's firm. So known you for a very long time and would love to, well, first of all, welcome to the episode. Thanks for having and me. Jody. why don't you kick off with giving us a, a little bit about your background? Because uh, again, I know you and your background, Penny knows you and your background, but for Australian listeners who might be hearing the name Jody Pater for the first time, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So way back when, right, like early cloud days, 2006, 2007, I joined my dad and I was taking over his firm. Now, I was young then because I say that because it seems like a long time I've been in the space. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the first thing my dad said to me was go find your own clients. And, you know, my customers at that point looked like me, act like me, talk like me and use the internet like me. We didn't even call it the cloud back then. Mm. And so as I joined my dad, like I was really utilizing new technology to kind of redefine what that practice model was. And so when we talk about a cloud firm today, like without being kind of cocky, like I kind of invented it because I iterated through it. And now everyone just wants to know how to do it, or they feel like they're on the journey of it. But we were the ones, the early adopters, it was bleeding edge. And that's kind of how I got my brand, the radical CPA, because everyone thought I was crazy. They were like, no, you can't do this. And I started blogging really just to figure it out. And that's how I kind of built my following in my brand. But I also started working with technology companies to tell them that they were wrong, right? And that they needed to make better tools and that when we got better tools, we could do better things as an accountant. So it was kind of like this chicken and the egg because the technology companies would tell me, well, we need more accounts. And I would say, well, we need better tools. We need more accounts, right? So it goes. And so it kind of came on me to kind of 
gather the masses. And I did it via social media because remember, Twitter was just starting then. Facebook was early then to say, hey, let's figure this out together and kind of created this movement, right? To get everybody in the US kind of working towards it. And that's kind of how I built my status. But fast forward, like I owned my firm for almost 15 years. I iterated on it. We used all the new tools, every new technology that was out there. I was trying it and trying to figure out and how to optimize it. And in 2020, I actually sold my firm to Botkeeper and I joined the tech side, which I've learned a ton on the tech side because, you know, being a practitioner is one thing, but then working for a tech startup is a whole nother, it's a whole nother game, right? And at Botkeeper, what we're doing is automating transactions. So if you think about, we were utilizing machine learning, artificial intelligence to automate all those transactions. Mm -hmm. And again, when I was talking about it in 2018, 2019, that was like, you know, big news. Now it's more mainstream. And I say that because it's mainstream on the people who talk about tech, but there's still a lot of accountants who are That's not right, in that right. tech it's world, sort of right? Funny, look, we, we have been talking about this since 2005, 2006. And I was like, doing the math, I guess. That's 18, 19 years. Why do you, th- and, 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 and it is definitely gaining momentum. In, and I think COVID probably gave it a good nudge. But why do you think, why has it taken so long? Or is it just that's the way things are and accountants move slowly? So why do you think it's sort of taken so long to, to, to I think, re- reach this really critical juncture in adoption? So I think part of it was the tools, right? Like we didn't have enough tools or the sophistication of the tools, right? And that was my early thing. Like if we could get more vendors to understand more accountants and accountants, like, you know, we have to move the market together. So I think part of it was the tools and the accountants got frustrated and then they didn't adopt completely. I think the other piece is the accountants, right? Like the accountants, Mm -hmm. they're profitable and they're busy. And if you're profitable and busy, what is your incentive to make these changes? And the biggest thing holding accountants back, which I still fully believe, is nothing in their practices is standardized enough to automate it. Because in order to automate something, you need to standardize it first. And accountants don't standardize it, and so they can't automate it. So they have all these band-aids instead of actually thinking through productizing a service offering or doing kind of the things the way technology companies think about it, right? So you have this clash. And then, so, and then you get into the business model and pricing and all these other things. So people think a lot of times it's the technology. No, it's like a bigger problem. And then now we're starting to talk about the leadership. Oh, we need to like reorganize. We can't have a partnership model, but that's great at the leadership level. But until you get the weeds figured out, I don't Mm. care what the leaders do, right? Like you kind of got to work it all together. And that's, I, again, in five minutes, that's what's holding the profession back as a whole. And can I just ask you a clarifying question? You said in 2020, you sold your firm. Did you sell your firm to Botkeeper or you sold your firm and then joined Botkeeper? No, I, I did sell my firm to Botkeeper because oh, at the time, yeah, at the time they were serving direct clients and then they actually resold it because they went to the strategy of only serving accounting professionals. Yes. So, yeah. so it was a way for me to exit and I did fine with it. I was very like, I was happy with like my exit and it worked out well. So, yeah. and so, and, and, and I know you, you've consulted to technology firms a lot, but what was it like joining a technology firm to be like an employee of a technology firm? How did that sort of change or what, what was interesting about that? 
Well, I think there's a lot of things that are interesting about it. Remember yeah. someone who owned a firm for 15 years and was used to being the boss, right? Now yeah. you had to kind of learn how to be an employee again. So, so there was that change and it was COVID and there was a lot of other drama going on in my life, right? So I think there was that transition. But I think the other thing was, is I finally got an appreciation for what it takes to build product. Mm. So. Yeah. Like accountants think, oh, you could just do this. Well, it's, it's not a series so easy. Of, it's a series of ones and zeros. Surely you can do you, Why can't you do that? And I, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I do have a new appreciation. And then the interesting thing is when I joined April two years ago, I was employee number one and the first person with tax experience. And I built the team to actually do the tax coding on the software that we're building and taking to market. And so I learned even a more in-depth experience of what it's like to get something to actually work versus just saying, oh, I wanted to do this. And and I think that's something that most accountants don't have appreciation. No, they just and want I you to put a button somewhere that they want, right? But they'll right. call me, I want this. Why doesn't it do this? Well, because out of 250 users on average, you're the only one who's ever and asked that. Was, for that was the really interesting thing at Receipt Bank is you'd be at the QuickBooks Connect stand and whatever, and, and you'd be talking to accountants and bookkeepers. Now, it'd be great if it did this. It'd be great if it did that. And and you could always put the what they wanted into five buckets, let's say. But within that bucket, there were 17 different ways of doing it. Back to your point about standardizing a process. If you can't standardize a process, then the tech. So that's just fascinating. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about April. Penny, you're using it. And so why don't we just introduce us Get April? So it's April is the company name. Get April is our website. Got it. Okay. So, so get, get April, April is so, yeah. so when I say that, do you get April? April is April 15th, right? It's like yes, tech yeah, filing yeah. <laughs> in the US for all the Australians out there. Yeah, they're a good point. I was like, yeah, I get it, but maybe everyone else doesn't. But but tell us tell us about April, what it is, and, and then Penny, hand over to you with, with your experience, yours and the team's experience. Oh, well, no, wait a minute, Damien. I let's back up a little bit because let's be oh. honest and open about this. I'm not using get April. All right. Okay. Uh, cool. The reason I ran into Jody at the Chicago conference, you know, the one that I ended up getting pneumonia from, <laughs> I, I did the same. I was, it was like, I got back and it's like, I don't feel good. And a couple of weeks later, it's like, I'm in the hospital. <laughs> but the, I met Jody there and we're sitting at a table and I told her my name and she kind of looked away and then looked back like a double take and went, I think I know you. And I went, yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> and uh, I always get that, but that's okay. And we st- she started telling me about this. And I knew about the bot keeper thing. And I told her about how I know Enrico and those guys and my take on AI. And we do a lot of testing for apps too. So I understood some of the issues that she was talking about, about you know, being part of a technology company is different than an accounting company. But first of all, I want to say, Jody, I hope that your team in Tel Aviv is doing okay. Thank you. Really, thank you for that. So I have, I have close friends over there and a nephew whose mom is desperately trying to keep him from going back. So it's, I understand. So anyways, I wanted to say, I hope everybody's okay. And I, I appreciate you giving us this time today. But as far as Get April go, I was fascinated by it because I un- I know that 
It's a mix of technology and humans. And I like to understand what that mix is. And also, I have some questions about who the target market is for this, the fact that you can use this on a mobile phone, and to what extent, when I look at your website, it seems like you have different levels of this, but I'm not really sure. So I was going to ask you if you could explain to me who the end user is, where the accountant, if at all, works into this, and what part does get April do from a robotic side, an RPA side? Okay, so sure, happy to explain it all. So get April is at this point a consumer focused product. So we help individuals file their 1040 tax returns. However, we don't go direct to consumers. We go B to C, so business to consumer. In our current market, we are marketing towards or marketing selling towards larger apps that are distributing our tax software within their apps. So if you think of like Chime, if you're familiar with Chime, Mm -hmm. financial institutions, things like that. So they're they're embedding us in their apps to distribute to their consumers, right? So, but the cool thing about April is tax software hasn't changed in 30 years. So if you think about like TurboTax and all of those products that are out there, CCH, all of them, they're built on these old like databases and tools and whatever that haven't changed. So we built our engine from scratch. And so when you just think about where technology technology is today and what you can do with it, you can do a lot different things with it than you could because like our engine isn't 30 years old. So our interface, all of that stuff, where we work, where artificial intelligence comes in or AI comes in is we're using AI to read the forms instructions to help us code faster. So our LLM models are basically reading IRS instructions and they're programming it faster. So if you think about how fast tax law changes, what this does is this gives us an opportunity to update forms faster and get uh product out faster, right? Develop faster. So it's not as sexy as, you know, when you think about an AI chatbot or whatever, like that's not where it's used. We're using it on the back end. But the other thing it allows us to do, which is very unique and distinct to April, is it allows us to ask smart questions to the taxpayer. So if you think about a traditional tax practice, you may send your client and organizer with 200 tax questions. Some people have narrowed it down to 75 tax questions. And maybe they send that organizer back empty or with a handful well, of not at all. Right? I'll walk in with it printed like, out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what our app does is it strategically asks them questions based on how their tax return was either prepared last year as it's read it from an OCR or how the how you answered the last question. Exactly. So, so it's building on its own learning. It's building on it because own you've learning. got the LLM in the background. Yes. It's going faster. So it's almost like having your accountant sitting in front of you. Yes, a you CPA in your pocket. That's yeah. what we like to say. And our CTO came from Waze. So if you think about like Waze's directions and map software, if you think about getting from here to there and there's a bazillion different ways based on traffic and everything and Waze kind of tells you the right way to go, that's the way we think about taxes. There's 1.2 septillion ways to prepare a 1040 and we take you down the most efficient, effective path to get to your end result. So that's like kind of the big picture. 
what we're starting to do is we're starting to think about how we can use the same technology that we've gone to market through. And we were live in market last year. So, I mean, we did have tax filers on it. We're starting to think about how we can help tax professionals either be the co-pilot with the CPA in your pocket, right? So is there an opportunity for tax professionals to kind of use this as an advisory tool where they give the compliance piece, the tax prep piece to this mobile app, and then they sit on top of it as an advisor? Or again, is there a way for them to use this as a digital organizer of sorts where they come back in and at the back end still have that 8879? Well, the, I mean, the market's out on that because yeah, there are I, many I, CPAs I would think who that say, for an I don't want the 8879. And there are lots of CPAs who do say it. So it's kind of hit or miss, right? I would see that because I do see a lot of CPAs going, I don't want to take these kind of clients right. anymore. I want to just get rid of them because not that it's just not, it's not cost effective anymore. Sean. It's become exactly, it's too, but expensive. there are so many, there are so many other things that person or that entity could use a CPA for besides just that tax return. So you don't want to lose the relationship, right? But you could take the part of the relationship that's a drag, that's time consuming, that is always painful and always miserable and let the bot do that part. Right. And well, it's, and if you can have that be that pocket CPA, still maintain the relationship for all the other finances that go on in a, in a human's life, because it's not always just taxes that we're dealing with. When I talk to my CPA, it's not just about my taxes. I'm going to buy a new house or I'm going to do this kind of investment. Where should I go here with this or that? So you want to keep that relationship. And so you do need that, that human part, but we don't have time in our lives and, you know, Damien, the other day, a couple of weeks ago, when we, when I, well, when I was sick and we did that podcast where I talked about how that old school accounting firm hired all these young kids and found these young kids bringing technology into them. And the kids go, it's four o'clock. I'm going to the beach because they're out on Cape Cod and they go going to play and they got their work done. And their work wasn't based on billable hours. It was based on outcome. And, mm. and so you have a better life. You have a happier relationship with your client and you're introducing the client to a tool that will allow the client to do stuff on their own. There's nothing wrong with that because you're being kind of the director in the background right. and you're all making sure that nothing's going wrong. Totally understand that. And that's the way I see AI working because like Jody said, and we've talked about before that you need process and procedures. Like I'm always slamming on that. You know, everybody's a Picasso. Everybody thinks that everybody else is unique, but debits and debt credits are the same. Tax law is the tax law for everybody, regardless of what we hear in the news these days. Um, but you need a good, logical thinking accountant who can make, allow you to understand the ramifications of your choices and your, Jody's right about the tax law updates. How many times, I can't tell you how many times we get stopped in the middle of tax season because the tax software has to update. So everybody has to jump off the server. The IT department has to shut everything down because we've got to update. And you've got, and it's like this in this way, the updates are happening in real time. The information's happening in real time. 
and it's speeding up the whole process so you can get down to what's really important, the relationship you have with the client, the person, and also if you choose to just get rid of something that's not working for you and not feel badly about the just dumping them. Could still right. Have a relationship for all with these accountants who are raising their rates and there's only a certain price point that people are going to pay. Well, they're, they're raising their rates with the intention that these people will drop off. Right. That's the idea. Right. What a but shitty now, way to run. What if Excuse you me. That them. is a shitty way to run a business. Better but but still, what if you offered them an alternative? Something, yes. Offer, right? offer them so a look, You can pay me the person. Ad, and I'll prepare your return. Or you can pay me X and I'll have a conversation with you. But you've essentially prepared your return yourself, right? Like, but I'll walk you through it. I'll talk about like, I'll do an advisor type of recap of it. Or you can like not have me involved at all. And I've just been a distributor of software because there are well, many I've been the one that that's brought it to you. TurboTax, right? Yeah. There are accountants who do that today. Yeah. But I like that. I like that model though, of if I'm preparing it because I don't think it's too complicated or whatever, but I do like the idea that then an expert will come in and just go through it, look at last year's, go through it, ask a couple of questions, but they're not the ones necessarily punching the data or keying the data or whatever, but the, they're doing the review process. I've prepared it because it's a, a somewhat simple 1040 and maybe a Schedule C or something. So I prepared it and then having a, a set of professional eyes look over it. I, th- I think that's a really interesting model as well. But you've got, to set, you've got to set the business up properly for it, don't you? Yes, correct. You do have to, like Jody said earlier, you do have to think about the weeds first. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to me, I'm not, people always ask me, they go, aren't you afraid that AI is going to take away your job? Well, just like when we were talking about before we started about the background and what my son-in-law did. And, you know, I asked him about it and he said, I just have to be smarter than the bots. He considers it a challenge. And I think figuring out the weeds in your business is being smarter than the bots and using the bots for the parts that you don't necessarily have to worry about or that you, that are dragging you down. That's what they're there for. I think we don't know what we don't know yet. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so like our jobs are going to change, but they're not going to be, I don't want to say any less. They're just going to be different, right? Think about like social media 10 years ago. Everyone's like, oh my God, social media, whatever. We've adapted. Now there's parts of social media we like, there's parts we don't like, but like every marketer thought they were, were going to go extinct. And now most marketers have figured out how to like adapt to social media. And I think that's the way accountants need to think about how AI is going to change the the jobs that they do. But it's not going to eliminate them. And some of the work, like we don't have enough accountants to do the work anyway. So let's embrace that and get excited about going home early and using the technology to help us. I saw an interesting conference coming up. There's a session called, and it's speaking specifically to bookkeepers, but the bookkeeper's dilemma, evolve or dissolve. And, And it's really this thing of I can be worried about technology, or I I love that example in the marketing world and social media, or I can embrace it and evolve and build my skills and look at ways in which I can change the relationship or add more value to the relationship um, with my client. And I think, again, bookkeepers and accountants, they have that uncanny knack to be able to interpret numbers, to interpret legislation, whereas 
common folk like like myself, that that's not my skill set. I did 18 months in an accounting firm before I realized I was a very bad accountant. Love the technology, love the marketing, but yeah, the, the sums did not add up for me. Yeah, and I don't, I'm lousy at numbers. I can't handle numbers at all. I just go to sleep with them. But there are other parts, like the technology part. When I worked for a technology company, that was fascinating. That was wonderful. That was fun. But give me a GL. I'll go to sleep. I mean, I just, you know, it makes no sense. And reading tax law, oh, God, thank God for LLM. <laughs> so uh, I just think that I liked the fact that you, and I didn't know that you were embedding it into the back ends like Chime and I think that, you know, having kids who are millennials and, and nieces and nephews that are Gen Zers, and I can see when already, like my kids, they're never going to use a, a laptop or a PC the way I did, just like I don't use ledger sheets and have never done that. Well, so, and think about where the technology has come from, like paperless. Like if you go back again into the tax world, like I... I was preparing when it wasn't paperless. I remember that whole shift of paperless in like the early 2000s and the OCR and the scan auto flow and all of that stuff. And now you take a picture with your phone and it like just does it. Like you don't yeah. have to use like these crazy tools that accountants use because they had to use them, right? Because that was like the early technology. But now that technology is so much faster and better. So we, like we, we did think it. about things the way they used to be as opposed to where they are going, I think, as accountants. Too. I, I think it's difficult to do that. I do think that one of the things that you have to understand is you are going to have to think about where you're going. And you said earlier, accountants are busy mm -hmm. and they're profitable, but sometimes they're just busy. And if you can utilize some of these tools you will have the time carved out to be able to imagine the future and be ahead of the game when the change comes. And But it first begins with fixing the weeds and using the tools and finding the tools that are there. I was talking to another company that was similar to yours in some ways. They have a different direction, but they're using AI for a lot of things. And I was explaining to him when he said, well, how many for data entry parts that we have to do a human have to touch, how many can you do? And I said, well, first let me play with your tool. And he goes, well, what do you need that for? I said, because we figured out with one other tool where a client had asked us, we have been doing tax returns for this firm for a long time. And they implemented a new AI tool. Well, they had us first do all the conversions for them into this new AI. And then because we were doing that, we figured out we could save 12% of our time per return if we utilize the tool. And that's how they cost justified the purchase of the tool, right? And because of that 12% savings, we could add another two returns per shift getting done by the next day. And so when you look at the cost savings, they went, you just justified us buying this tool. So I, I think that's another thing that most accountants don't think about. And this is where kind of you get, you have to flip your mindset to productization of a service is your technology cost should be above the line. It's part of your cost of goods sold. Yep. It is not overhead the way most people have it. 
And so when you talk about not being able to find talent, well, guess what? If you could replace talent, and when I say replace, meaning like replace that with the technology costs and compare it apples to apples, all of a sudden now this technology that accountants think is so expensive ain't so expensive because people are a lot more expensive, right? And so we run our business wrong for all these years because we put our technology costs as below the line as overhead, and they shouldn't be. They should be part of our cost of goods sold because essentially they're lining up with labor. And as we we have these talent shortages and we can't find people, like we have to do something differently because there's nowhere else. Like, what are we going to do? Because it, there's less CPAs, there's less accountants. They're like, who's going to do the work? Because there doesn't seem to be any shortage of work. I don't no, know if there's there any accountant no. who says, I, I don't have enough work coming in. That's not their problem. No, that's not the problem right now. And what we found is that when we did that study, and the team that did that work actually increased their level of capabilities of the level of work that they could do for this client. And it was almost like, well, th- it was dragging them down also. So once they learned how to use the AI, it also taught them a little bit more. So they became higher level within that firm and the work that we were doing. So and the team didn't have to, this was for us to that because the team didn't have to grow as much. But then again, that also meant that I could open up and sell more returns to somebody right. else. Do more so, business, right? Yeah, right. You so either, you, you can you grow get, if you want to grow or just stay the same and go home early. That's like, well, <laughs> Damien just had a brand new baby and he's got a two-year-old at home. And I think he's learned the idea of proximal growth versus optimal growth. So children, when they grow, they can grow up for a little while and they get tall. And then all of a sudden you'll go, oh, my kid's getting chubby. And you wait two months and all of a sudden they just grew another inch and then they get chubby again and then they grow another inch. So, I mean- And then at some point, and then at some point in time, that that growth spurt stops and you just, I I just keep getting chubbier. So- No, that's only when you're in our (laughs) And I'm older than the both of you. So, but it's like, you can choose how you want to grow your firm. Mm -hmm. You want to be busy and profitable and fat and slow? Or do you want to get out there and have fun and grow up and then grow up and then grow up and then grow up and then grow up instead of just growing out like this, you know? So, you know, just be young and flexible and do that up and out growth. But you need to give yourself time. One of the questions I got, Judy, and this, I'll just ask you this, and because I know this particular client listens to these podcasts, is how did, how do those middle managers justify to those partners who are older about billable time when all of a sudden their billable time goes down and they don't see it the same way that their billable time might be going down, but their technology is allowing them, if you would just bring them, give them more clients to do more work. Well, right. And I think that's the hard part about like the whole timesheet mentality or whatever, because the biggest problem too in firms and this, like I've done consulting engagements on this to actually prove it out, is that the wrong level of team is doing the long, the wrong level of work. And it isn't because they want to do it. But a manager may be picking up work that a staff level should be doing because 
it just didn't get done. And so the manager picks it up because the client's calling the next day. And so they just do it quick to get it done. And yet that work could have been done by a bot and it's never reflected on the timesheet. And so when we look at the business model of timesheets and measuring and realization and utilization, it's the wrong look at data. You're not looking at the right data because you don't have it segregated the right way. So if we actually did real data analytics on timesheet data and we actually had clean data, I bet firm owners would realize how much profitability they're just losing, but they can't see it. And again, if you think about data analytics, right, I took a class just a couple of years ago and it blew my mind. But if you look at the kids who are graduating from school today and what they can do with data that old school CPAs don't even understand that ability to manipulate the data, like, could you imagine if we actually did data analytics on our firms and we actually saw how much loss there was? Like, it would be mind blowing. But Firms don't look at that. They look at the old school data and they say, oh, it's not like, and and so that's this whole shift of mentality. Those are the radical ideas that firms don't even talk about because they don't even know because they don't, they don't give themselves time to do it. They don't give themselves time. I mean, that's what I tell people. What we do for you is we give you space, utilize that space to see what's out there, to see where everything's going and to maybe grow up. Instead of and, and I think firm owners intuitively know that they have the wrong level of people doing the wrong level of work, but they don't know how to change or to justify it or to shift. And so they just like, oh, it, it, it's part of doing business, right? Like that's just the way it is. That's the way we've done it. And yet they forget that there's all this scrap on the floor because they let a manager do a work that bot could do, right? Like what's wrong with that? And if we were advising our client in a factory on it, we would absolutely be like, hey, there's scrap here. What are we going to do to fix this problem? But yet we let it go like unnoticed in our firm, right? That's That always surprises me about people who say, well, we're fractional CFOs, or we're controllers. And like you go out and you tell your small business owners to do this, but then you go back and your office is looks like it's in the stone age. That's not going to work. You're not going to be able to sustain that because, and the other thing too, is if you want to do fractional CFO type work, a controllership type work, if you want to do those value added items for the, for your clients, whether they're, you know, individual or their business entities, if you want to do that, you're going to be kept at a very low number of people and entities you can work with if you do not utilize technology to do the most of the heavy lifting so that you can do the heavy and deep thinking. You're just going to be capped out. You're going to be exhausted and you're just not going to be able to grow. And I find that people then say, well, I didn't make that value added like I thought I would. And they go back to the billable hour. And it's because you didn't take care of the weeds. You didn't think about the possibility of, of the of the future, and you didn't think about how you could utilize AI or any other technology app in the middle of that to increase your speed to the next client while satisfying the goal of the other client at the I, same time. 
And, and I think the good thing is when we talk about AI in the future is if you go back to cloud and again, those early cloud days and the connectors and how you really had to be a technologist, you don't have to be that technologist to use AI as to the, where it's coming and where no, this isn't going to break. We have to reconnect. It's like it using an iPad now, right? Like you're just going to use it and it's going to work. Whereas if you think about, you know, if you've been in the profession for a number of years, you think, oh, technology, it's so hard. I have to figure it out. There's like, that's not the way the future technology is going to work. It's going to be a lot more user-friendly and it's going to be gonna more be like about this. just oh. thinking about, how do I add value as a strategic advisor, as like knowing my numbers, knowing, you know, knowing the intuitive stuff and not having to futz with the technology as much as we used to have to do in the early days, right? Like it's just going to work. And that's, I think the, the mental piece that most accountants can't get over because they, they've used to been over promised by technology, right? Like, oh, it's going to do this and this. And yet it didn't solve all their problems. And so they're a little bit skeptical. Well, I think that there's more than just that, but that is a huge thing. It's one of the things I argued with app developers, like, don't make promises that aren't real. Don't tell me that the bot's doing the whole damn thing when we know that there's a human being in the background doing half the job. Or don't tell me it's going to do this with, like, with workflows. Then you go, okay, I'm going to buy the workflow. Oh, well, did you know you'd have to customize that? You know, once you oh, now I can't turn this on with the turn of a key. And then they throw it out the window because all of a sudden it wasn't as easy as they thought it would be. But the newer ones are, but you still have to do some setup. But still, I can understand it. it's like picking up. And the old days we used to say, pick up the phone. Do you know how the phone works? Nope, but it does work <laughs> and it always works. So, and that was a problem with the early cloud apps and the integrations that they constantly broke. You needed somebody on it all the time. And the other thing too is a lot of these are interactive with your client. And so trying to teach your client to use it was an added problem that you had that the app developers just kind of bypassed. Right. They you know? forgot that you had to teach a client how to upload something to a yeah. portal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Scan a document, working like how to use a scanner, take a photo of a First you had to teach them how to, where to go to download it so that they could get it over to you. Yeah. No, I mean, so there was a lot of promise. And then the work was dumped on the accountant to make the app do what you promised it would do from the stage, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I do see that with the AI apps that we've been interacting with. That's a little less of a problem these days. They are taking out the, the parts where humans had to interact that were non-viable, non-profitable, and giving us the space to be at the top of the food chain where we can make that value added profit. Now, now I, I would say I think that's assuming that the, again, assuming that the firm has started this journey, but it, it still surprises me. So many firms are still very paper heavy, very, very manual process heavy. They're still going to have to go through those challenges of teaching their clients how to do things differently and, and actually, and, and actually having, having conversations with their clients about we're going to do it different this year. So if you're not actually having those conversations with your clients, and if your firm's not changing, you will be stuck in the dark ages for, I won't say for all eternity, but for a very long time. And, I, I think that's what I sort of struggle with is for the most part, 
small business clients, they're using this technology themselves and then they come into accounting firms and then they sort of take three steps back. So how do we actually get accounting firms to be more more embracing of this technology? And is it because, you know, they dabbled in it in 2015 and it didn't quite live up to the promise, so therefore they've just discounted it completely? Like, Jody, what do you see in terms of how do you win back accountants' willingness to try, willingness to iterate and improve? Because I feel like if you screw it up once, you're sort of damned to eternity, I find. So I think the good thing is COVID pushed a lot of people, right? Yeah, so true. like we came out of COVID and we're still like, because of the talent shortage, there's still a lot of remote happening in firms, right? Like I, at least in the US, like yeah. I would say we're still kind of hybrid, right? So even though some people did go back to the office, there's still kind of this remote environment we live in. So I think that's helpful, but I think it comes back to vision and again, leadership, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to be the firm who says, I'm going to make four hours a week to changing my firm for the better. The problem is you can't do it after the fact. You have to commit to it to say four hours. So that's 16 hours a month. It's not that much time in the whole thing, right? Like, but you have to give your employees time to work through the process changes, the technology changes, all of that. Oh yeah. Don't, you have to commit to it. You have to commit dollars to it. Right. And when I say dollars, not just dollars for technology, but dollars, they're not going to be billable, right? Like in an old school firm, right? Like you have to give them that space to do it. And I think if you can commit to that, your firm will have these quick wins where they start to realize it fast. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity to get to these time savings and these technology fast, but you have to give your team that opportunity to do it. And I think that's yeah. where leadership comes in. And, and and have that vision to say that here's we're here, but here's where we're going. It's going to take us time and that's okay. But as long as we know that we've got a destination that we're working towards. Yeah, I like that. Right. I'm conscious of time. And I'm conscious that we could probably talk for hours on this, but why don't we just actually come back to April and just, Jody, what are some, or Penny, Jody, what are some other things that you want to make share about April or or Penny that you want to ask about April? Well, I think my biggest questions were answered that she is doing this in conjunction with Chime was new to me, but I was hoping I was going to get the answer about how you were going to go B to C. That's, that was, that was on my sheet. Like, that's what I'm interested in is I can see the potential for this for average users. I definitely see young, new people. Shoot. If my mom was still alive, I'd give it to her, you know, because she would adopt it. I know she would because it would save her time. It would save her money as a user. And and I think we have to remember technology is not an age thing. It's a mindset thing, right? Like we actually, we partnered with ARP last year, AARP, right? Like you think, oh my God. (laughs) And, And they have one of the largest volunteer tax prep assistance programs. And so they utilize our technology to help their volunteers get taxes done in the market, right? So again, it's not an age thing. So I think that's really important because I think that's sometimes awesome. you have these, yeah, these really cool. blocks, right? But again, if you're using your phone and you can take a picture of something and it digitally uploads it and it populates it and you're just reviewing it, again, it's not so like we're making it simple enough, right? Like that's, and I, again, I think that's, it, it's like we've been clouded by what it used to be to tax to to prepare taxes, 
one of the things my team has spent a lot of time on, it's, and I'll say it's even painful for me, is we've learned how to not talk tax. We really humanize the process. So the questions we ask are not tax technical. So we're asking you about your life as opposed to your dependents, right? Like again, and those are the things that I think I'm pretty proud of in April of how they've kind of humanized this process, right? Well, you've taken away the idea of the man behind the curtain. Right. And it doesn't have to be that way. It, yeah. And I think the other thing is to remember who the app is for. It's really for those simpler. And when I simple is all subjective, right? Because tax in and of itself is not simple. But if you think about an H&R block type return, a small firm tax return, we're not doing returns with 50K ones. That's not who our user base is. No, we do those too. Right. That, that, so, so I think too, cause TPAs all badly like, Oh, well, are you accounting for this, this, and this? It's like, no, that's not who I like, know. TPAs calls- are still going to do those returns. That's not who this app is for. I know. It's like me with counseling. I know you don't want to send your simple 1040s to us. Go. I always said go to tax, you know, turbo tax, send the clients that now I'll tell them to send it to get April. But, you know, go over there for that. Give us the stuff that's more complicated that you don't have time to do so you, you can go handle something else. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, there's plenty of good apps out there that'll take care of that. But you got to get the weeds cleaned up the, and then the other put the thing, app in there. The other thing that I think is important as we look at April in the bigger, broader marketplace is CPAs think they're competing with other CPAs. I would argue that's changing drastically. There are lots of technology companies coming into the space and offering very similar services. Absolutely. (laughs) That's who they have to be concerned about. It isn't the CPA next door. It isn't even the CPA in the next town. It's something else that is selling the same services that accountants used to sell. And I think that's really critical for accountants to think about as they think about their strategy and how they want to change and do things a little bit differently. Because if they don't, they're not going to be able to compete at all because your CPA is not your competition. I could tell you that our two biggest clients are not CPA firms. Right. And and I think that might be a really great place to leave today's episode. A really interesting conversation, not only about about sort of April as a, as an example, but also more about the the intention with which you should be thinking to build your firm, deciding on the types of clients and customers that you want to work with, getting your team engaged in the process. So I I think I set out. I think I I started today's session sort of thinking that I would be really focused in on April, but actually it's been about how do you build your firm the way that you want it to be. And then I just finishing off there, I sort of like the idea of there is so much work out there. It's not competition. It's about you defining what you want to get out of your business and then running towards that and and, and taking the team along along for the ride. So Jody, this has been fascinating. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed reconnecting and catching up learning more about April. Um, excited to see where that goes. Fascinating about your, your partnership with AARP. I think that's amazing. So thank you very much for your time. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, the conversation. And Jody, if you wouldn't mind making sure that I get uh, the links to your radical consulting stuff and the Get April area you want us to post onto here so that when it gets up there, those two links are put inside so that if people want to click and get to know anything about you, they can. Awesome. Thank you, guys. 
Thank you. Jody, and thank, thank you, you for, for doing this. It was out of the blue that I asked Jody to do this. And I'm so grateful you showed up. Thank you. No, I love it. Thank you, guys. All right. Awesome. Appreciate All right. Bye-bye. Sure. Bye, Bye, Jody. Bye.